Speaking of technology, what do you think about eShift? I hate it. I'm Brian Anderson. And I'm Bobby Fazio. All right, welcome to our second episode of Class Racing Today. I'm here with my buddy Brian. Uh, I was at the beach condo all weekend. I did not race. I just watched racing on YouTube. Uh, Brian, what happened? How'd you do this weekend? I went to an association race, and uh, yeah, I practiced my runner-up skills. Always good. Always good. All right. Well, let's talk about the guys that did race, the people I was jealous of all weekend. Let's go into some results. We closed out the Jag Sports Nationals from Epping. The stock final was concluded at Virginia Motorsports Park. And Thomas Fletcher took the win in stock over Russell Bubba Linke. Um, we had two divisional races going on, a double going on at Virginia Motorsports Park for D1. In stock for race number one, Missy Phillips upset Bubba Linky in the final. So Bubba Linky was runner-up in the Jeg Sports Nationals. Bubba Linky was runner-up at race one in Virginia. And we're, uh, we had Brian Warner taking the win in super stock over Hillary Sloan. Brian Warner is the current national points leader in super stock. Race two, we had Steve Foley. Taking the win over Bubba Linky once again. Yes, that's right. Bubba Linky, runner-up three times in one weekend. I don't know whether to be happy, sad, cry. The guy is such a great driver, and I never want to race him. And then the upset of all upsets, Victor Gilmino takes the win in Superstock over Brian Warner. So Warner wins on Saturday, runners-up on Sunday. Actually, wins on Friday, I think. Runners-up on Sunday, further cementing his points lead in Superstock. Victor Gelmino, by the way, cut a 002 light in his Ford Thunderbird. Ford, Brian, yep. Ford Thunderbird and takes out Brian Warner. So congrats to Vic Gilmino. That's a great Brian, week. what do you have to say about all that? That's a great weekend. Like, man, someday I hope I can be that cool, but I don't know if I'm ready to drive a Ford to do it. <laughs> no, Brian I also raced this weekend. Brian, where did you race? Um, we had a association race in... Kearney, Nebraska. Um, it was pretty good. The first day we had, I got to look. I got home late, so I'm a little out of it. But we had 48 cars on Saturday. Um, weather was pretty killer. The track, they did a pretty good job on the track. Um, cars were making it down. There was a few little few little hiccups. The wind was cranking. We had a pretty good tailwind, um, which I think there was maybe four reruns. It was crazy. Um, the friend of mine went up for a race and he's a pretty good driver pretty consistent one of you four speed guys so you know you can never make a mistake and uh goes up there and loses the race breaks out and he was on the brakes and his car went a tenth faster comes back looks at all the split times everything is spot on but the et slip was off a tenth well <clears throat> He's looking at his book, like his book. He's like, what do I do? I said, well, I'll go talk to the other guy. So he shows him the book and like, obviously something blew across the beams, but you know, what's the official thing to do? Technically he lost, he broke out. Goes and talks to the guy, his opponent. His opponent's like, yeah, if they'll rerun it, I'll rerun it. That's not right. And goes up to the tower, reruns the race. And of course he red lights, so it was all for nothing, but oh. <laughs> at least it was, at least it was a legitimate loss. 
you know. Yeah, that's nice. That was nice of the opponent to be on board with that. Well, it really shows a lot about stock eliminator or super stock drivers in general. I mean, they're just great people, salt of the earth people, um, and they're all diehard competitors, but they're just really true sportsmen. Like, nobody wants to have one given to them. I mean, yeah, they got red lights against you in the semifinals. You're not going to give it back and want to rerun it. But, you know, if there's a technical flaw or something like that, it's just pretty cool that we could all come together as people and work through it. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the middle of the day. And I think, yeah, that was, I think, the only rerun on Saturday. Um, I lost to the great Larry Henderson for a buy into the final. In the quarterfinals, I lost to him. He had a buy in the semifinals to go into the finals on Saturday. Uh, he raced guy I was pit next to, Paul Marola, another stick driver, so it was an all-stick final Saturday. That was pretty neat. Um, another little controversy, so they go up, they do the burnout. They're staging, and something happens where the tree gets triggered, whether Larry bumped in, double-bulbed, or backed out, or something happened, something blew across something, and all of a sudden, Paul's light times out. Larry's goes green, Paul's goes red, times out. Paul doesn't move. Oh. Larry runs the car to the end, comes back, Yep, tree malfunction, so we're going to rerun it. So the crazy thing about the weather, it was cold and getting colder, and it was dark, and I thought, man, this track's going to go apart, and it's all stick cars in the finals, so, you know, that can be a little sketchy. Larry, Larry cooled the car down, came back in, took home the win, so that was pretty cool. Congratulations, Larry Henderson, on winning Saturday. Um, Sunday, another day, sun come up, warmed up pretty quick. Uh, we had 44 cars. I should actually mention, um, since these guys never get any credit, I believe it's uh, Sean Marconet, uh from Kansas, runs a 83 Mustang, was number one qualifier. He went 123 under. Wow. He runs a SSN, and he went 1091. So that was pretty cool. That car is honking. I think it's like a turbocharged something or other. But yeah, he was no, that's a 302. Is that, that is a, that's a V8. 302, I don't... Yeah, no turbocharger on that. And he did qualify with a 1087, um, I think, on Saturday. So, yeah, he's hauling ass, by yeah. the way. Yeah, Carney is uh, actually – it was an elevation track, too. I think we were at 2,200 feet. So, that was pretty cool. Yeah, he qualified on Saturday. He was number one qualifier. Of course, Sunday he was number one qualifier also. Um, Marcus Allen had the top speed. It was pretty cool. He said it's the fastest he's ever went. I think he went 135. Um, so he's pretty excited about that. He runs a SSD, another stick guy from Colorado. Uh, runs a Chevy Camaro, I believe is what he has. Um, I was definitely impressed. I, just looking at your qualifying sheet, you guys had a ton of stick cars. The third, fourth, and fifth qualifier on your sheet were all F-stick uh, stockers. Yeah, they're actually all like the same car too. I mean, it was crazy. It was all like stick Novas. I mean, it was... Uh, that was pretty neat to see. We were joking that they should do a stick class runoff at that race. There was there since everybody was there, anyways. Right. I mean, I never saw so many. I mean, just in that forty something cars alone, you guys had more stick cars than we'll get in a Division One event with, I mean, one hundred and twenty stockers. So yeah, there was a lot of indoctrinating going on. I was, uh, I think, I sat in four different cars with sticks, and I'm like, come on, just pull the gears, just run the pedal. See, won't that be so much fun? And. <laughs> I will admit it got me kind of thinking, but I'm not quite there yet in my career, so. We'll see if one of those guys will just let you make a pass. Yeah. The way I drove this weekend, I don't think I needed to run anybody else's car. I screwed my own <laughs> enough. But. <clears throat> so then we had pretty you did, good. You did pretty well. You did pretty well. We had pretty, I was watching you. 
we had a pretty good run on Saturday or Sunday. Um, we had 44 cars. There was a couple people pulled out for whatever reason. Um, because they're afraid of racing you. Yeah, but we also had another thing. Like we had some runoffs. So, uh, Bobby Devine runs. Uh, I don't remember sure what he runs. He goes to all the races. He, the guy just eats, sleeps, and breathes. I think drag racing. Just an awesome guy. Um, and I think he had his first triple or perfect light. So he raced Sean Vincent first round. Um, and he broke out. I think he went like seven ten or something. Don't quote me on that, but the ticket was just crazy. And what's Bobby run? Have a look here. He raced all weekend. It really makes it hard to prepare for these things Monday morning. Yeah, Bobby Devine runs a R stock automatic, sixty four Nova. You know, he qualified like he ran thirteen four on a fourteen twenty nine. Gets his ticket and it shows up like seven second ET. Wow. <laughs> We're like, all right, something went wrong. <laughs> so they call it up, rerun it. And he goes, trip, zip, and the same thing happens again. Oh, come on. So the guy he raised is like, his car wasn't running right. He's struggling to run the index. He's like, you can just go. You have it. We're not, I'm not going to rerun anymore. So that was pretty cool. Congratulations, Bobby, for his first trip, zip. Um, that was pretty awesome. He actually drove really solid, too. I think he went, I got to look at the sheet here, but I'm pretty sure he... Yeah, I think he actually went into the semis. Yeah, I think he made. I think he, I know he raced into the quarters. So everybody's doing pretty good. Um, for the win, it ended up being <laughs> I lost to Kevin Leinert. He went into the quarters, had a buy into the, and he ended up racing. Uh, I believe Whitstruck. Yeah, he raced. I believe Brian Whitstruck, and then for the buy into the final. So my curse still continues of losing to the winner of the whole event, but hopefully we'll shake that next year. Um, so yeah, for the for the final, you had Kevin Leinart raced uh, Derek Fenner in his wife's car, which was a, another stick Nova. So that was pretty cool. Um, Kevin and his wife are great people. Like they're the ones at the track that wave at every single person. They always say hi. They they're just some of my favorite people to see. Whether you're down, you lose, whatever, something's going wrong, you see those people, it just brings joy. Like, they're just great, great people, and I believe that was his first win. So that was really cool nice. to see that happen. And Yeah, congratulations to him. I love people like that. Yeah, definitely at the track. You you see people like that. It can it can change your your mood if you if something's not going right. Oh, absolutely. You know, and... it just shows why we're all here. I mean, it's just supposed to be fun and is anybody that's raced knows that it's not always fun. And sometimes it's just that wave or that smile that, you know, that's why we do it. I, I like going fast. I like doing wheelies. I like having fun. Um, it's fun now if you can actually win a round or two, but just the people and the relationships are what make this stock limiter thing. I mean, I don't think there's any other form of motorsports out there that has the family and the camaraderie of what we're doing. I think you're right. Um, you know what I did forget to mention though, sidetrack, sorry. St. Louis. Anybody know what's going on in St. Louis for the national event? It sounds like they kind of got rained out. I think they got to fourth round in stock and super stock. The pros finished, I believe. Um, but as far as I know, they coming back today to finish this race out, or are they coming back uh, some other day? Do you know anything, Brian? Because I can't find too much out on online here. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anything. It was pretty crazy all weekend. Um... And I drove, I didn't get back till late and I was tired. So I kind of just focused on the road coming back, but 
also wanted to say anybody out there listening on we're actually trying a trial version of going facebook live with this episode so if you guys want to post comments or if you know anything better we're kind of keeping an eye on that so let's try to make it a little more interactive all right so one other thing i do and something that we're going to strive to do as best as we can on our podcast on our facebook page is to honor number one qualifiers they don't get a whole lot of recognition. We know they don't get any points. They don't get any money. At times, they get penalized for doing it. So there's not a whole lot of incentive, as as Mike Manns pointed out last week, to qualify number one. But Richard Boyle in the 73 Nova, H-Stock Automatic out of Comac, New York, dude qualified number one both days at Virginia Motorsports Park, going more than a second under. Um, I know Steven Yantis qualified number one um, at the first race. And at, in Superstock at the second race, I think it was a factory car that qualified number one. I got to double check that, though. Let me look him up, he or she up. So you were talking about St. Louis. Um, there was some uh, carnage happening. I think there was a few really nice cars destroyed this weekend. I personally know one of the people that had an incident. It sounds like the wrong... There's speculation that for the weather and the conditions, the wrong traction compound was used is what we just had a comment on Facebook, and that's that's just too bad. I mean, you hate – it can happen. I mean, that's part of the sport, but, you know, it's just it's terrible when you wreck a piece of equipment. I mean, the thousands of hours people spend in trying to get competitive, especially when really competitive cars, you know, drivers can make mistakes, but – there's speculation right now that maybe the wrong traction compound was used. Oh. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, hope he's okay. And yet, ugh, you don't want to think about all the the man hours, the time, the money that goes into prepping those cars well, the, and uh, what he's going to have to have ahead of him to fix it. The crazy thing is when you think about, you know, we talk all the time about the rules and all the safety equipment, you know, and it just shows really how good it is now. Like, if you can wreck a comp car going at that speed, get out, walk around. Yeah, you're mad, you're frustrated and all this. And, you know, what if, if this would have happened or what if that would have happened? You're still walking around. I mean, right. you're in a car that weighs, what, 2,200 pounds going over 150 mile an hour and you yeah. roll it at the end of the straightaway and you can get out and talk about it. Like, that's why we spend time. I mean, that's probably why stock limiter cars you know they're literally rolling car shows most of them but they're built really well they're really well engineered and it's i feel safer in that than i do the pickup i drive every day you know indeed and um i do want to mention sorry it was joe cunningham in the 67 cobra jet mustang how did i mess that up i saw that i was excited for him that's rich allen's old car Stick shift, super stock F stick, 428. Dude was hauling ass, 113 under. Bucky Hess was right behind him at 112 under. So congrats, Joe Cunningham, on that display of power. 113 under, qualifying number one at Virginia in race two. Way to go. Um, Brian, let's – you got to – like we have to talk about what – now it's about a week, week and a half old. What the hell happened in Ennis, Texas with Lance Line getting fined? Boy, that's uh I kinda reached out 
a little bit for some information and I haven't heard right from the horse's mouth. So it's, there's a lot of different stories going around, but from what I've heard, um, you know, because I guess there's a pandemic going and it's not safe to hand out time slips or anything and whatever. <laughs> we'll go down that path. <laughs> Apparently they, uh, there's no time slips being handed out. Well, first round from all the stories I've heard and put together is <clears throat> drivers pull up, go to the end, no wind light comes on. Well, you know, you get to the end of the strip, your wind light doesn't come on, you didn't win, right? Like that's pretty standard practice. Light comes on, everything lights up. And sometimes I've made it through and not noticed, but you get your ticket and it's like, oh, hey, I won. How'd I win? You know, I don't think I should have won, but somehow it says right. I won. <laughs> so, sometimes I, you just can't see it. Yeah. Uh, when I was racing at Atco a couple of weeks ago, it was on. I, the guy read it to me. I'm down there whomping at the finish line, and I couldn't tell that it was on and until I got my time slip. And then I felt like an idiot. And I was, but so, so, anyways, this guy gets <laughs> to the end of the strip, or from what I've understood, you know, the cars run through, come to the end, no wind light comes on. Well, what's not a one? Come up to the time slip, and, you know, we can't handle time slips because paper is a big carrier. So, save some money, don't have a time slip person, and pulls up back up to the trailer and whatever somehow learned or whatever that they won goes up talks to an official and they're like well you didn't weigh you can't you know you didn't weigh so it doesn't matter you lost oh god so i think as anybody would be pretty furious and lance seems like a pretty down-to-earth guy like i can't i see him at quite a few of our association races and he's always very well-mannered like i don't really see him i think he's pretty intense he takes it very serious but it doesn't come off as a hothead you know i just it had to have been pretty bad you know to drive that far like i'm sure it was just total disappointment it's a total drop i mean the whole fact of having the track without having the conditions working right like if you and i try to come up and our cars dumping oil all over the track they're not going to let that happen if we don't have the right seat belts they're not going to let us go if we don't have a helmet they're not going to let us go if we were on the wrong fuel you don't win but yet they can have be totally unprepared and not have the track ready to go and functioning properly. Like, so to me, A, the first problem is the track. All right, so let's just back up another step to the NHRA. Okay, I get it. There's a pandemic. You can do whatever you want, you know, fictional or not. Have somebody at the end pointing. Like, it's not that hard. You won, you didn't. You weigh, you go by. Like, you would think. It wouldn't be that hard, you know, there's officials, there's people around, obviously, if there's people around to argue with, there's somebody to put at the end of the track and just point people towards the scale. Right. I'll also play devil's advocate, and as a driver, you kind of got to know going into it. Like, I don't really want to take this side, because it's not how I believe, but if I know there's no time slips, and it's on an app on the phone, I either want to make sure somebody knows and is watching that can tell me what to do, or I need to know myself. You know, you kind of, I don't even really like to take that side. I should make you take that side. You talk no. about that. I can't take that side, but I'm just <laughs> going to try and imagine what uh, some guys, I can't speak for Lance Line and, and his driving ability. I'm sure I'm sure he's a, a good driver. He's a hell of an engine builder. Some guys are so focused in their lane. They, they look for their wind light. It doesn't come on. That's it. I lost. Me, when my wind light doesn't come on, I look to the other lane to make sure theirs does come on because I'm hoping that something's burnt out because, I mean, I'm a sore loser. So 
if he didn't – he just looked at his light. My light didn't come on. That's it. I'm done. Now you throw in there's no time slips. Like, yeah, uh, what the heck's going on at this track? But now third strike. There's nobody there telling you that you won or lost. I I don't know, man. I, I, I really – uh, they could have just pulled him down there and just weighed him. I mean, a, a lot of these guys, how often um, are guys like underweight in eliminations? Does it happen? Well, like, are you going to drive that far and go to an event and you know you're going across the scale anyways? Like, come on. You know, I'm never going down the track light. Like, it's just not going to happen. Now I get, you know, things could happen or whatever. You know, the scales are off. First thing I always do is I always go check the scale to make sure this, what the scale says is what I think it should say and the car's right. Even if I disagree, I make it right because, you know what, there's no bypassing the scale. Exactly. So I would say it was legit. He wasn't underweight. It was kind of BS what the nature did. Like, I don't want to take the other side because it's stupid. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do. But if they really wanted to get in depth with it, um, did he pass weight check during qualifying? I'm sure he did. Did he go two tenths quicker in this run than he did during qualifying to say like, hey, maybe he was a little bit light? I doubt it. Was it a heads up uh, run? You know, it wasn't a class final. It wasn't something where weight was of utmost importance. Um, I guess they weren't check. Were they checking fuel after that run? I I haven't heard. That, about that that's a really part. interesting perspective because how did they do that in qualifying i suppose everybody would just pull across the scale like you know you just have to do that but like was there even people by the scale you know there's so many unanswered questions i'd love to hear from the horse's mouth kind of what happened but i also no. understand that there was maybe three or four different people that had the same thing happen now was the fine excessive I guess when you it depends part- on what was said. Yeah, I don't. Does anybody <laughs> I guess know exactly what was said? I guess when you're involved in a lawsuit and you need to pay a lawyer and you lose your corporate sponsor, maybe uh, you need to raise fines. <laughs> you know, pick up a few extra bucks on the side. We gotta. Ooh. We need to uh, maybe raise some more funds. So let's just really try to piss people off so they I, pay the fines. Maybe. Yeah. I have noticed on NHRRacer.com there have been some. Jonathan Gray just got fined for what disconnecting fire extinguisher bottle in his car i think um there was a couple fines at indy for illegal burnouts what was it uh bob tasca um jeff lane i think and who was the third guy McHugh, i think brian McHugh. three guys pat McHugh. fine for doing illegal pat McHugh. pat McHugh for for doing illegal burnouts in the pits or something they're just it's kind of like slapping the the, them on you. It's Be like careful you, out there. It's like they had to pay the lawyers before the end of the month. So hey, let's just generate some funds quick. And I don't know. I did. Uh, I saw an interesting sign in the tower at Carnia this weekend. I'm up getting qualifying sheets and stuff, and it was funny because I'm walking through and just out of the corner of my eyes, I saw, I saw. Oh, what do they call it? Notice of infraction. Is that how they post that? You're uh, <laughs> wanted. Uh. Well, basically, it was from NHRA, and they had it posted at the track that a certain member was, uh, how did it say, indefinitely, here, I'll try to find it here. Should have taken a picture of it. Did you take a picture of it? Yeah, I did. I got it. I want to get the right words, because it was, it really caught my eye, so it's not a very good picture, because I was trying not to be, like, taking pictures inside the tower, but 
It says, uh, Dear NHRA member track, please be aware that blank has been indefinitely suspended from competition for brandishing a firearm at another racer on the 2019 <laughs> Lucas Oil Raceway at Indianapolis. If you have any questions, please contact me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that might be me if I don't get my time slip. Like, if I win the final and I didn't weigh, that might be me. I'm sorry. Oof. But, wow. How about that guy? I hope he's not he must listening. must have been. I, I know, right? I hope he's not listening, but, you know. His name is Brian Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why did you change your name? Well, I don't know. I made a stupid thing. But it's just, Firearm. I get it. Like, everybody's competitive and, you know, emotions are flowing. Maybe I'm not competitive enough for the fact that I'm just new. And, you know, I just, I figure I make it through first round. That's a win. And just want to have fun. And I feel like it's kind of like going to a family reunion every weekend. Like, I'm really just starting to get sucked into this stupid sport and just literally cherish all the relationships I'm making. And I don't like, I don't even know if I know anybody there mad enough to, like, go get a fine like apparently nhra is cracking down so maybe it's possible but hopefully now they got a new sponsor so maybe the fines will get lower the interesting yeah, thing the interesting I'm thing sorry. on that fine is and i'm not sure maybe the listeners know and they can comment on facebook if they know the answer to this but so if you want to protest or whatever the fine appeal it do you have to go to california and do it like i heard a rumor that the only way to appeal you can appeal it but you literally have to go to california in person to do that wow i never i always see at the end it says this fine can be appealed but i've never i just saw it you just filled out a form and mailed it in or you had to get a lawyer i mean which would probably cost you more than the fine itself so or uh, just or just the fact you have to take a day off or two days go to california you know you probably have to meet on like a wednesday morning so you can't do it just in one day <laughs> I yeah. doubt it's going to be on a Saturday. You have to be here Wednesday at 5.30 a.m. to appeal here. <laughs> so, I don't know. It'd be interesting if anybody's out there listening. Like I said, go ahead on Facebook Live and just make a comment because I'd be really curious if you can actually appeal it. Yeah, let if, us know. If you have to do it in person. Um, it's I don't know. At, at least they let you appeal it. I, That's clear. That's, yeah, I don't know. It's Very nice. Very kind. It's kind of crazy what's what the NHRA thing's gonna turn into. Um, hopefully, we get the sponsor. I mean, hopefully, it'd be great to. I think they're gonna realize that sportsman racers are the ones that are actually paying the bills, and it would be nice to get a little more credit for that. You know. Well, I, I've been fighting for that for years. I mean, I've been fighting for more TV time for us. And you know what, Dan Fletcher actually said all this in an interview, probably within the last couple months. Um, just, you know, we need to be racing in front of the crowd because this year they were starting to do Thursday, you know, you, you qualify, and then they were even starting to run first round Thursday night. Now, there's no spectators there to see you qualify. There is nobody there on Thursday to, to you know, it doesn't help our cause when we're trying to generate sponsorship. We get no, you know, views. The uh, NHRA um, live video feed, NHRA TV, doesn't even broadcast on Thursdays half the time. So I was in talks when I was out in Pomona. I met with Peter Clifford when he was the president. So this is back in 2017. And he was a nice guy. I, I expressed my concerns to him. You know, I was trying to say, like, listen, can is there any way? How can we get more, you know, filler time on FS1 when you 
you know, you show our Lucas Oil series, you show alcohol cars. I mean, I'll be honest. I fast forward all the way to the end to the last five minutes, and I watch the stock final, the super stock final, and the other finals. We need, you know, to get more TV time would really help us out. And he actually said the Fox uh, broadcast uh, trailer is right over there. Go head in. Go talk to so-and-so, which I did. I went over there, and I met with them, and they said – at that time, so this is uh, February, the Winter Nationals 2017, um, they said they were working on it. They were going to highlight classes at certain events, which they then did that year. They showed at certain events, they showed the last uh, two to three rounds of whatever class they were highlighting that year. And I thought that was a good thing for us. I don't know if they're really doing that anymore, though. It doesn't seem like it. Um, but, you know, for us to race on the weekends – Saturday, Sunday, in front of the big crowd at a national event, I believe – I think that's very important for, for what we're trying to uh, accomplish here, get more sponsorship, get more people to understand our classes. If you're ever trying to bring in new blood into the sport, I think it's a great way to start. All right, we got to get noticed. We have to have people watching. Or if you're like me and you make constant rookie mistakes and are you kind of your own worst enemy, I don't know if I want that on TV. Like, ah. <laughs> there should be a sign of waiver. Like, they can just, like – race in front of a green screen so my car can disappear and <laughs> superimpose some people on the stands yeah the stands like uh charlotte four wide it looks <laughs> like there's a million people in the stands yeah. let's just get cardboard cutouts that would make it feel awesome right oh uh, they would walk out on you <laughs> like they do to the eagles philadelphia eagles every week um i don't know why i just hope like i said maybe with a new sponsor i mean so has it been released? Is it actually Camping World? Is that the new sponsor? I don't know if the official announcement has come out yet, though I've just been seeing post after post about it. So whether it comes out you know, at 11 o'clock today or when NHRA office opens because they're three hours behind me, I guess two hours behind you, um, maybe they'll make that announcement sooner rather than later. Uh, good news for sure. Whether Camping World's getting like the bargain of a lifetime, we won't know. Well, it would be interesting. Like they need to, like, just put some more funds into the kitty, right? Like we're cutting. I get it. Like they cut the payouts, but, and I don't, I don't know what it's like to actually win a race. So I guess it's doesn't matter for me. But, you know. You don't really win a lot, from what I've understood, if you run a, win a divisional or a national. I mean, yeah, the contingency's there, but I really, like, other than it's kind of cool to go to and it's racing and that's why I'm going to go, there's really no advantage. Like, for our area, where we have a great association, which I think needs to be one of our podcasts some days, I'd like to get the guys on that kind of started it because these association races pay, you know, pretty good money, I think. I'm trying to look it up. I think this weekend was twenty five or twenty seven hundred bucks to win, and like a thousand or twelve hundred for second. I mean, yeah, I, that's, I, that's that's nice. I believe I went four rounds on Saturday, and that was like four hundred bucks. And I went three rounds yesterday, and that was a couple hundred dollars. Like a second round at our association, if you go out second round, you typically get your money back. You get a hundred dollars. You know, and not. That I like that. I, I like round money. I really do. I don't like top heavy purses because I don't win. Well, not everybody wins, lot. right? <laughs> There's 44 great people there that all deserve to win, and half of them go home the first time. I mean, it's just, it's wild. I it's mean, a tough sport. 
And I think that's why our association is so pop popular. And I think that's what's really driving our attendance is, you know, it's pretty bottom heavy. Like you can go and not that you're making money, but at least it doesn't no. feel like you're just pumping yeah. it out the window either. You can you can win a round. If you lose second round, you you, you paid for your gas for the day. I mean, at least. what's it's it pay nice to win to a divisional like race? Two thousand in division one, it's two hundred to enter, two thousand to win. Which they just raised. It used to be one seventy to win fifteen hundred, and now it's two hundred to enter, two thousand to win. And then if you're stickered up properly, I would think you're getting another. 1500 we'll say and then ATI throws another 500. So let's say it's if you stick it up properly properly you're getting 4000 to win a division 1 event. And to runner up I think you get 1000. It used to be 600. So you get 1000 now to runner up and then you get the $50 sticker money. So and then 250 from ATI. Well someday I uh someday I hope to find out. I don't know, maybe it's years down the road. I just I really hope I don't have to buy a Ford or put a stick in it to figure that out. I don't think the four to help you, unless it's a Cobra Jet. But, um, <laughs> well, let's switch, you know? Let's just switch cars. I'll take yours. A stock automatic. Yeah, I don't know. It's still. Everybody's like, oh, you have an A stock? That's fast. I'm like, no, really, it's not. <laughs> It's the uh, the issue with the with the association not even an issue. I mean, how much did you have to en uh, pay to enter this weekend? Uh, it was a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars an event. You know, it was every race pretty much is a double. So, spent two hundred dollars in entry fees um, for the weekend, which is more than fair. That is, yeah, definitely for for what you guys were racing for. It's really, it's nice. It's just, I don't know what it is about association races. I try to get. To them uh when i can if i'm not working uh whatever but there's just something about the nhra divisional or national that keeps guys and gals coming they want mm -hmm. that wally they want to say that they won the real thing i guess um people complain you know and say they're not coming back, but they come back. People complain and say, no more nationals for me. I wish they would separate the pros from the sportsmen, yet they're entered, you know, 10 weeks before the uh, race is supposed to start. You know, the, they take 55 stockers and 55 super stockers. Stock fills up at, like, grade 7 and grade 6 now on the East Coast. So who knows people, now? People want to win those. <laughs> if they keep cutting the, the payouts like that, maybe they'll have to go to, like, 120 stockers just to help fill in time and – pay the fees you know they want to raise money just let more stockers in i remember my first national event 2009 the maple grove uh what i call the keystone nationals i don't think it was called the keystone nationals back then but i had one grade point in super stock i ran the divisional a couple months earlier i got one grade point and i got in with that one grade point and there were 90 something at least super stockers at that race and now and by the way, we qualified on a Thursday. We ran class on a Friday and first round on a Saturday. Like, so we got to run class in front of people, which was wonderful. And then we got to run first round. I mean, I, I made it into Saturday at my first national event. And then it rained a little bit and I made it into Sunday for round two after I won first round. So it was a heck of a weekend for me. Yeah, that's kind but, of on my bucket list. This is the last race I'm going to probably go to this year. Um, we've got another event in Ottawa, Iowa this weekend but i've just i've hit it pretty hard this year my son's birthday is this weekend and i'm just like you know i'm gotta tear my car apart and 
kind of rebuild it, make sure you check everything out. And I've kind of decided this is my last weekend I'm racing, but next year that's not my goal. Like I'm going to go to a national event. I've never been to one. Um, so I think that would be pretty cool, you know, just to go there and be part of it. And there's there's def definitely something, you know, kind of mysterious for a new guy about going to one. Like, how does this work? Oh, this is awesome. You know, even my first divisional last year, you know, I felt like a, a sheep in the lion's den. You know, it was first year racing, pulling there. And holy crap, you know, there's everybody there's a hitter. Like, there's no ducks. So I can only imagine national events, you know, where there's people and that's all they go to. I mean, the nerves for me when you're pulling up and all that starting to kind of settle down. So I think the added pressure, maybe I'm ready to step it up a notch and maybe go out first round, but that's fine. You know, I just want to go be part of it. I mean, that's so much. That's, that's what part. class yeah. racing. It's about the people you pit next to making friends. And not only that, you'll have a lot of spectators. I, I really, my favorite race of the year is that, is that national event at Maple Grove. So many spectators walking by, uh, when you're driving up to the lanes, you know, people taking pictures of your car. It's, it's just fun. I, my family and friends all come out to watch. It's it's a special, you know, special weekend. Even if you do, you know, even if you don't survive first, second round, whatever, you still make a weekend out of it. It's still a great time. Mm -hmm. Walk around, check out the midway and what's left of it. Uh, mellow yellow tent. Actually, now I guess it'll be the camping <laughs> world tent. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. You want to talk about a good play on, like. The camping world when you figure there's how many trailers there like exactly it's a pretty natural fit i think they're going to turn out pretty good on that deal and it's it's a good fit i think and it's great i mean we can talk all we want about dumb things nhra does or dumb things the track does or maybe the track this track's crap or maybe they didn't fix their stuff but i mean if you look at the financials of a drag strip this year or even last year and you know, we had a lot of tracks around here lots of rain outs lots of water it's not super profitable to have a racetrack. Um, and I try to be cognizant of that. You know, people will complain, well, oh, I don't want to go there. Even our local track. Um, my uncle, I grew up, my dad never raced. My uncle did some drag racing. He had a 70 dart that he'd go to Thunder Valley Dragways there in Marion, South Dakota. And I just grew up hearing stories of him going there, you know, and how neat it was. So it kind of had this mystique, like I kind of wanted to go, and it was kind of fun now to actually go there and race. It's sketchy at best. I mean, it's a neat area. It's got pretty, you know, it's it's got a neat layout. Like, if they would fix some things up, it would be awesome. I go there. My car just gets filthy. The, tra the track has got some issues. I mean, it's just kind of a rough surface. There's big cracks. The guardrail is really sketchy. But there's a lot of history. You know, I hate to see drag strips go because, and I'm I'm a firm believer, you better not complain about the track because if it goes away, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. I have Marion's two hours from my house. I got Pier roughly two and a half hours from my house. Brainerd's three and a half hours from my house. If any of those tracks, if Pier or Marion go away, I'm three and a half hours from closest drag strip. You know, this weekend, that's why I'm sucking coffee down like it's candy right now. But, you know, Kearney, Nebraska from my house last night, you know, we left probably five o'clock it was seven hours you know i got home at one o'clock in the morning and for a lot of people that's not sustainable like you can't come home at one o'clock on a monday morning and be productive so i don't care yeah. if their lights are broke down you know there's things and it's easy to get frustrated i'm never going back there but if we don't support them they are going to go away and i think that's 
whether you like some of the things, there's a lot of politics in my local track and people complain about it. And I ain't never going back there. Well, I would rather not drive seven hours to the closest track. So you know what? Don't go to Facebook and bash them. Go talk to the managers. Say, hey, you know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for everything you're doing for our sport. These are things that would make it easier to draw people. And I think if you could word things that way, it's different. The last thing, Facebook's the worst place to go announce any complaints. I mean, yeah. if as a business owner, if my critiques come from Facebook, nothing's happening. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be like, oh, I wonder what my business plan should be like today. Let's check the face bag and see what happens. No. Nope. Um, you know, grow up, be intelligent, be sincere, and be like, hey, these are things that I think could be better. These are things as a driver, I don't feel safe. These are things you could do to draw more people, which would help your revenue. Um, this weekend in Kearney, I struggled. I went down to test Friday. I made seven passes. Three of them I got data on. And with a Gen 4 Camaro, it's literally spun on me twice. All season. I probably put 100, probably made 150 passes this year on it, and it's literally spun twice. I went Friday, seven passes. I got data on three. It would either go up in a wheel stand, break loose, or it would just blow the tires off. And... <laughs> You know, I said the groove seems pretty, you know, they scrape the track to like, oh, stock's coming. We want to keep everything fresh. And I get it. They put a lot of work in Saturday. Man, they did a lot of work. And the first thing I went up in the tower and the guys, even the guys like, what happened to your car? What did you change? I'm like, I didn't change anything. <laughs> and I went up. I'm like, you know what? This is a great track. I appreciate everything you guys are doing. You know, they go to print qualifying and normally it's a national open. So they had no help from NHRA and now they're trying to do it on their own this year. And I just made sure I thanked him. I mean, that's one thing as racers. Yeah, you can get frustrated, but make sure you thank the people. I mean, it's a thankless job to sit out in the heat, bring people oh, into yeah. the water box. And I hear a lot of, oh, geez, they had me doing a burnout in a lake, or, you know, oh, they didn't have enough water in the burnout, or why aren't they bringing us through faster? Right. You know, don't say it that way. Like, I actually, I heard it, one of the racers this weekend said it great. They're like, you know, we're used to being in the water box when the cars are leaving. Like, they're at the tree, we're in the water box, they leave, then we do our burnout. Like, that's kind of how we run our races most of the time. And they did that, and I mean, you cut the time in half. When they started, they went let us into the water box until the other people were down at the end of the track. And it's like, those are little tips. It was said very respectfully to the track manager. He instituted it right away, and things went really smooth. I'm like, that's how you should do it. And then make sure you thank them. If they do something right, hey, you guys are doing great, I appreciate it, even if I don't like it, I'm like, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're here and you give us that, this opportunity to come race. And I think as sportsman racers, class racers, anybody in general, like, it's just human responsibility to show gratitude to the people that are putting this on for us to do our pastime. I mean, they're taking time away from their family doing this, they don't need to go get ridiculed because this or that, you know, they maybe just don't know, and maybe they don't care. But be respectful, make suggestions, and it's kind of amazing what the end result to be from that. Exactly. It's can't be uh, understated. You get more just by being nice. I mean, I, I, I talked to Peter Clifford. He had me going to the Fox trailer. A lot of guys, um, you know, they, they bring their complaints to Facebook, like you said, or class racer, you know, sites like that. And you, Instead of just, I don't think enough people really take the time to just go address it uh, properly because maybe they just don't know. You know, maybe this, 
maybe they didn't know they were doing something wrong or, or maybe you should commend them on doing something right. Um, so yeah, definitely. You know, some of us, and I've been guilty of it myself. Some of us like to hear ourselves complain instead of, uh, doing something productive. So I will try to change my ways for sure. Oh, you're that guy, aren't you? I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't spin in my car. That's for sure. So, uh, <laughs> I don't spend too much in the super stocker either. Now that I think about it, but you know, I was actually going to say, you know, you're in a Ford, so you don't really have to worry about that issue, yeah, but right? I will say one thing I want to give a shout out to, uh, a guy this weekend yesterday or uh, Saturday, first round, he had a heads up second round. He had a heads up like first two rounds heads up. Like, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he won both um he had a little cartridge problem he had a distributor go bad what does he have here i'm trying to remember you're a ford guy you'll know what he has uh man i'm really unprepared for this bob i've always been amazed by the guys who could uh brian can go like they have a b-stock automatic heads up they've been running 1045 all day they got to go do a heads up uh they run a 1012 win that next round they put 1045 back on the window and they run 1045 dead on i'm just like wow <laughs> you, you have a special skill <laughs> well it was actually bob swan was the guy who did it um he's from belfish south dakota he had a 67 shelby ford to the 428 and he had two heads ups on saturday had a distributor problem in the morning couldn't work right didn't have a two-step goes up wins both heads ups i mean it was it was just pretty cool like is uh a or b i do a little dodging just like I said, trying to get my car sorted out and learn how to drive. Like, I don't really want to be in a heads up with anybody right now. But it's happened to me one time, of course. It was the first race, stock race I've ever been to in my life, and it was against Al Cordes. So <laughs> needless to say, my car wasn't what let me down. It was my nerves. I think I was like Sorry. I was like two hundred red. He's like, What happened? I didn't mean to laugh right there. Just... <laughs> yeah. Hey, so... they're not raced on paper, man. You gotta <laughs> give yourself a chance. Yeah. So yeah, it was just neat to watch him do that uh the other cool thing this weekend is we actually had another guy i was running into um curtis reese i think he has he runs a v-stock automatic and he actually raced uh derek fenner in the semis to go to the for the final so you got a b-stick car against a v-stock automatic car like nice <laughs> talk about I, how can you not be like love watching those kind of races i hope the b-stick guy waited a little bit before he got on the two-step though b-stick guy won but i'll be honest with you i mean i like i like Derek fenner but man that reese is a great guy i always see him at the tracks he's always super supportive he's probably last year when i was starting and i was at some of my lowest points and just mad you know like how do you ever make it through first round he's like man you know the car is really working good he runs a I think it's an 80 Dodge Diplomat with a 225. And he was like, he qualified 1489. <laughs> and he's racing a B stick car. Um, Derek ran. Oh, where do you run here? Well, I think against Mir in the final, I think he went 1081. So that was pretty cool. I think secretly everybody was waiting for the slow cars. Like we wanted a Reese Leinert, you know, a 13 second car against a, a 14 second car. Like that'd be the cool final. But. I'll quit talking about this weekend. I feel like I'm sucking up all the airtime, but there were some great drivers. I just, I can't go to one of these races and not win or lose. I always have a great time. And I think it's 
like we said, it's the people. It's the whole thing. But it's kind of fun to watch oh, yeah. some of those stories. I like to see people that aren't normally up there. Everybody, everybody hates a winner, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I've been digging around trying That's to find rules. That's why everybody loves rules. me. I've been trying to find rules. I found a rule book from 2017. Uh, administrative Procedures and Appeals. Section uh, 18.8.3. As a first step in the appellate process regarding an appealable violation of any NRH rule or NHRA rule, regulation or decision, the participant may respond in writing, which writing must be received by the NHRA within 10 business days of the date of the statement of action against participant. So you got to so do it in writing. There is no need to go to California. Yep. And then they will respond uh, within 10 business days, apparently. Now, the other thing that's interesting is the, the event director, their decision cannot be appealed. Oh, really? Yep. That's according to the 2017 rules. And that's that's why we have an engineer. We should give a shout out to the Y Millbank podcast. <laughs> that secret voice from the background is our sound engineer, Craig Weinberg. So if anybody wants to try to do a podcast and sound better than us, good luck because Craig's the best. So if you need any of that. He's <laughs> Unless you do it here. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you do it here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I did plead to a division director on behalf of a fellow racer one time, but yeah, I know that they're they're What they say is what goes. We have a great division director in division one, Dave Moan, very approachable, very nice guy down to earth uh, on a personal level with all, all the racers and knows everybody by, you know, by name. Um, and I, I mean, if I had a problem or an issue, I, I feel like I could comfortably just go right up to him and ask him, you know, his input. But uh, I think 2015 English town national event, rest in peace, English town, miss you. Um, a friend of mine, it was his first national event, and this is when we used to get teched in. Then you'd, uh, you'd pass tech. You'd have to, like, walk from your car then. After you got all teched in, you'd have to go over to another trailer and sign your form and get, I guess, like a waiver or something. And he didn't know that. So he got teched in. At Englishtown, it was tough. You couldn't start a car until 10 a.m., but they'd be calling stock to the lanes at 9.55. <laughs> so – it was tough. You, you, you like literally your warm up was the drive up to, uh, up to the, the starting line. You, you had to tow your car to tech because you weren't allowed to start it. So he, you know, I think him and his father pushed their car to tech, um, got teched in. Stock was already, you know, running by the time he got teched in. He didn't know that he had to take that form that he just passed tech, go over to the other trailer and sign something else. He goes up, makes a run or two, qualifies for the day. And then at the end of the day, they approach him and say, you're out. You're disqualified. You never signed the waiver form. And I felt really bad for him. It was his first national event uh, at his home track. And I did beg and plead. I was trying to help him uh, with the division director at the time and said, like, look, they didn't know. They, they did definitely did not do this on purpose. Um, it's his first uh, national event. You know, it's a special event for him. It's friends and family came to watch him is there anything you can do like i'm sure he'll sign whatever you want him to sign right now nothing happened he didn't get hurt today like nothing that you have to worry about and they stood by it they said nope uh uh he knows for next time now so you know the the division director's word is not appealable and it stands hmm. so that was it was just an unfortunate event for them uh, 
yeah, that's at least you can do it in writing. Like if that's still the way it is, that's not so bad. But maybe they should do a thing where they're gonna take that money, you know, all the fine money collected should go back towards making it better. You know, however much money they've generated in the last month, which sounds like it's a fair amount. Let's use yeah. that and let's train a good tech guy in or you know, I think to the tracks, you know, it's a lot of that volunteer help. I don't know. I like I would go to Brainerd. And the, that's the track that sticks out in my mind. You want to talk about the nicest lady that works at the time slip booth? Like, I've probably only been to six tracks. But it's hilarious. Like, you go, and if you lose, she's like, I think she feels worse about it than I do. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and she'll give you a piece <laughs> of candy. She'll give you a freezy. I'm like, man, it's just crazy. Like, a lot of these people, whether they're volunteered or whether they're paid, I mean... I sometimes think the people in the water box are the most entertaining because you got the kid that's pissed off because it's hot and he's sitting there and won't spray any water in and all grumpy. And then the next one, they're having water fights. They're spraying their boots instead of putting them in the water box. You know, there's a million things. We want to get mad. You want to like, oh, what are you doing? You know, are you an idiot? You should do this or you should do that. You know, like they should instantly read your mind on how you want everything done. But then you have another lady that just, she sits in the booth. She hands you time slips. And 50% of the people she talks to are mad. <laughs> like when right. you think about it like yeah. who wants to work in a business where half the people walking up to you are upset <laughs> isn't that the IRS yeah <laughs> that's 100% of the people who are that's upset that's 100% yeah. <laughs> where's my refund it's too late why do I have to pay uh, well talking about uh, assigning you know spending that money for other places according to the NHRA racer.com uh, the actions taken against Lance Lyon don't stipulate where that $3,000 is going however the action taken against Jonathan Gray for his uh, failure to remove uh, the fire bottle safety pin, that $2,500 is being dedicated to enhancing the capabilities of the safety safari. Okay. Nice. We'll take it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're griping a lot this session. <laughs> yeah. How'd but... that happen? <laughs> I don't know we're tired. I'm tired. I know you're tired, for sure. No, I don't know. What about the true start? We haven't talked about that. Let's see. I think there was a good I true start. I did see start. something interesting. It was Bill Kennedy racing somebody. Somebody was dialed like 1030 versus a 1025. The 1030 car obviously leaves first, and he went 005 red, but the 1025 dial in went like 15 red. So was it first or worst red light that lost? The 15 red lost, but he technically, did he leave second or did he leave first? Leave that one to you, Brian. You answer that. <laughs> I was looking at my own details, so I wasn't really listening to you. I know. That's why I asked you. It was just like, the teach I'm a teacher. I have to call Man, on the kid that's not that. paying attention. <laughs> no wonder you're a math tutor. Oh, let's see. Our race on Saturday, there was something similar. Let's see. I think it was in the, must have been like third round. I thought there was a double red light. Yeah, I'm a terrible host. I don't have that data. It was like an O, it was like a double O four red to like an O 15 or something. You're fired. I'll try harder next time. Please uh, put any negative comments on our Facebook live feed. Uh. <laughs> Corrective criticism. I'll never turn it down. 
But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, and that's what I remember. Somebody actually, and the reason it sticks out is because they said, "Well, we have the old software. If we have the new software, that would make a difference." So uh, here we it- go. Third round. It was Vic Gomino, the eventual winner, versus William Kennedy. Vic dialed ten twenty five. Kennedy dialed ten twenty eight. Is that what happened? Um, Kennedy was fourteen red, and Vic was three red. So no, that's not the one I'm looking for. Or maybe it is, and I just watched it wrong on YouTube yesterday. So. Because that wouldn't even make sense because Kennedy did leave first and he read lit worse. So, Fazio, you're the worst. All right. <laughs> Self awareness is step one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the second episode, so it is. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to find our place here. We're trying to get a better line going on things and. It's uh, it's been really fun though. It's great having. I appreciate all the positive feedback we've been getting. Um, there's a couple people that haven't heard about us. I had kind of a little group going like, "Hey, the podcast is great. You know, we like this, we like that." And somebody's like, "What's a podcast?" And they're like sharing links. So that's pretty good. I mean, I think we're gonna we're definitely making progress towards informing stock limiter drivers on how to use modern technology. <laughs> And as Texas that. tried to get them all to use iPhones. Yeah. Maybe that's a step that's a little too far. <laughs> I actually saw somebody actually commented that they were able to see the time slip before the driver even got theirs, which is kind of neat. Like, I want that app. I want to be able to look. I'm kind of becoming a groupie to this sport. It'd be interesting to – that's probably terrible for my productivity in the day, though. If I get a, They should make a notification for every time slip that comes across your phone dings. I would get nothing done on the weekends. Nothing. But I don't anyways. But Speaking of technology, what do you think about eShift? I hate it. eShift. <laughs> Wait, are we arguing about TrueStart or are we arguing about eShift now? Cause... I don't have enough good TrueStart data, so we'll save that for Oh, my God. Love TrueStart, hate eShift. How about this? If anybody out there, for all the listeners out there, I know everybody's listening. Why don't you send us a comment if you see a thing where True Start would have changed the difference? Go ahead, post that on our Facebook. If there's an instance you have of that, we'd love to have some more examples. Do you hate eShift because you don't have one? Yes. Actually, I think I'm allowed one. I have a computer-controlled car. I don't think it had to be a computer uh, computer-controlled what transmission. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. Um, I just, I don't like eShift. If I had a car like yours, though, I, I mean, if it's allowed, I'd probably be using it. But you definitely have to have a good, clean tack signal, which I don't have because I don't have a crank trigger. And I feel like everybody should have a chance to screw up. If I, in my stalker, I have to shift at the right spot, okay? If I overshoot that by like 200 RPM, It's like my car drops an anchor in the back and slows down. And if I shift it too early, it's a little bit more forgiving to shift it too early than it is to shift it too late. But um, I have shifted it too early at times where, like, it really pulls – it lags in second gear. And that can slow me down a little bit too, not as much as overshifting first gear. But I feel like every driver should have the chance to screw up. That's all I'm saying. And when you launch the car and the car shifts itself based on that – nice fancy 
cheetah e-shift programmable box that you throw in there it's just uh i don't know you're taking you're taking the human factor out this is stock limiter this is supposed to be the driver's class okay if you want to run your e-shift and your air shift and this shift and that shift go up to super stock so i will give you that i guess my issue i don't run e-shift um i have an auto one two shift but if you have a computer-controlled car, like literally I have a computer system that runs my fuel injection on my newer model car, just like any factory stock, anything like that. Originally, that car, the computer, talked to the transmission and allowed it to shift. You go to a 1969 Camaro where there was no computers and you have to put a box in to manually do that, that's where, yeah, is it gray? Is it not? That's where I have an issue. Like I almost wish the fuel-injected cars were still in their own class. Like, these are what you can have if you have a computer-controlled car. Um, it was a factory option. That's how it had. I get it. People with older technology don't like it, but that's part of having the car. And I would also argue by having a computer-controlled car with an e-shift maybe makes it more consistent, makes it go faster. Would you agree? I would agree with that, yeah. So by having that... Both. Doesn't that affect the automatic horsepower requirements that would hit the car and hit that combination? I don't know if it's enough to hit it. I would think, I mean, I would jump over to when you allowed three-speed transmissions in cars that only came with two-speed power glides. I think that should have warranted a horsepower adjustment. I mean, inherently, it's going to. As the cars get more efficient, as they go faster, the horsepower will catch up onto them. They will get hit, which will hurt that combo. I... Not if they're smart, though. Not if they go 99 <laughs> under everywhere. <laughs> and if they do go one second under, they only do it in a mind shift. Or if they do go one second under, now they throw an extra 100 pounds in the car and make sure they go six under everywhere else. And I mean, this is a thinking man's game here. You can always protect yourself if you have to. I will give you this though an e-shift or an air shift or even an auto one two shift i don't know if there's a lot of difference i mean we're opening it up we're gonna allow older cars to run e-shift which never had a computer to control them i mean granted automatic transmissions automatically shifted so the auto one two i can see putting an e-shift on something that didn't have a computer i would argue technically isn't stock but, but wouldn't you say that an e-shift is a little bit more precise than a governor oh. shifting one, two for you? Yeah, I would say. I that. have no problem with somebody using, uh, you know, mechanically, uh, I don't know, adjusting that, the governor, the car came with that. That's that's okay. The thing I've really found out in my car is it's um, really temperature sensitive. You're and 69. The, my, on my car... It's really temperature sensitive. So as long as I have my transmission fluid at a pretty consistent temperature, my shifts are always going to be pretty spot on, whether it's with the Auto 1-2 or myself. Um, and that's one thing I really had to learn last year. Like I'd pull up with a uh, cold fluid and then first, like when you start going rounds and it gets hot like this, now that I've actually made it past first round, when your transmission temperature picks up, it definitely changes the way the car responds. So, you know, you can figure that out. You can work on that. It makes a big difference. E-shift, I would say, yeah, it takes some of the air out of it, but, you know, so is an automatic compared to a stick. I mean, it's automatic. Um, I don't, I will play devil's advocate and then say, what's the difference if it's internally controlled or 
physically controlled, right? If there's something inside the valve body of the transmission doing the shift, I don't really see much different between that and air shifter. Um, you know, if you'd allow the guys with Mustangs that can't run e-shifts because they're just that far behind on technology, let you run an air shifter. I'm okay with that. I mean, there's really inherently not that much difference. Which In stock, though? You want to bring air shifters into stock now? They were in stock, right? No. I've... They're not supposed to be. Uh, factory stock, I think you used to be able to run that from... And that's just pit talk. Somebody told me they used to have one until it was made illegal, which I'm new to this. They I'm were not... running, uh, uh, what, what kind of transmissions are they running in those factory cars um, when they came out? Like turbo 400s or some kind of some kind of bulletproof transmission? I doubt it was, I don't think it was a C4 going into a Cobra Jet Mustang. Um I, but now that you mentioned it, I do th like. Was there a rumor that they were coming with air shifters? I, I don't remember now. I believe they were. That's just from what I heard from the guy I was pitting next to, to this weekend. But to me, if you're going to allow e shift, you're going to allow auto one two shift. You're going to put an air shifter in. Like it's all doing the same thing. It's shifting for you. And I get it as a stick guy. That's <laughs> next. What are we going to allow next? Air shifters and yeah, stop. I mean, you know, a stick on. car. This is ridiculous. But. Nothing makes me ha – I did win a race because the guy's bottle emptied or it didn't shift into one-two, and I was just so excited about it. I was just laughing my ass off all the way back to my pit. I mean, literally, there is so many ways to lose a race. I don't know that it makes that big a difference. I mean, the good drivers can drive anything. You also have to make it easier for us people that don't know how to drive to try to be more successful, too. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to talk about yet another way to lose a drag race. Um, and it actually wasn't me this time. It was in a race I was in. Uh, it was going for, I think it was second round. It was pretty funny because I was racing. <laughs> the guy I was racing was actually the son-in-law of the guy that won Saturday. And he walks up and I see we're paired against each other. And I'm like, you know, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. And don't you think it'd be kind of awkward if you had to beat your father-in-law next round for a buy into the final? And he wasn't playing that game. He didn't think Selling it would it. be that awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to guilt him, um, didn't work, but it was literally a race of who wanted to lose worse. Um, I don't remember exactly. I should look up the time slip, but it don't matter. I think he was like, oh, 20 on the tree, oh, 30, something like that. I was oh, 90. And I'm like, I knew I was dead late. I'm like, geez, I missed it. I'm done. I'm driving for everything I have worth trying to catch him. And all of a sudden, at about the eighth mile, his car just stops. I mean, not stops, but literally I pass him. And I'm like, what is happening? And he's trying, and it's like an all-out drag race from the eighth mile on. And I thought it was really nice of him to let me catch up, and he's been doing a lot of eighth mile <laughs> racing this year. So <laughs> I got my time slip, and I'm like, how did I win? Because it was actually really close, even at the finish line. And I come back, and he's like, what happened? I'm like, well, I completely missed the tree. I said, I do not deserve to win this, but literally I just did a little worse job at losing than he did. Like, so it's kind of fun once in a while you give one of those. I, I'm a firm believer you reap what you sow, and I make enough stupid mistakes every time I go down the strip and give enough people free wins. It was nice to actually not be today this week's episode of yet another way to lose a drag race. If you're in quarter mile, just remember go to the big cone at the end. <laughs> so the dude killed it. He he thought he was only eighth mile drag racing. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what round was this? <laughs> Uh, that was, uh, let's see. That had to have been 
third round. Oh my god! So he he knew he was quarter mile racing yeah, oh, for the first two rounds. Actually, here, he... I, I'll take it back. I found it on the the combo sheet that I posted on Facebook. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was going into the quarterfinals. I uh, he was 065. He dialed a 1086. I was 099. I hate to even say that out loud. I was dialed 1050. <laughs> I went 1052 with a seven. He went 1094 with a zero. I won. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, sorry, Derek, for using that one, but that was uh, I'm just happy when I don't have I have enough material for about three years of episodes on yet another way to lose a drag race. But oh my gosh, me too. That's the weekly. <laughs> that's this week's yet another way to lose a drag race. But I appreciate. I think uh, we better save something for another episode. So I just want to thank everybody for listening and all the support we've been getting. Um, it's really fun. I enjoy this. I'm passionate about the sport. Uh, I'd like to think there's somebody else out there that's just trying to get into it and is probably just as frustrated as I've been the last two years. And it gets better. Get to know the people, and you're never going to have a bad day at the track. Said it, man. Awesome. Till next time. All right. Take care, everybody. Good luck, anybody racing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs>